I'm going to continue on in our series on the Ten Commandments, applying the Ten Commandments to our lives, and, and especially for what, what uh, their purpose is for us today. And I hope you've enjoyed this series. Again, I want to reiterate that as we talk about the law, remember the law was brought, give us to bring us to Christ. So as we talk about the law, it's natural that just like our, us seeing ourselves in a mirror, that it shows us some things, areas that we need to improve on. So the law is not brought to condemn. The law is brought to convict us so that we want change and we know that our only change is through Jesus Christ. And so as we open ourselves to let God bring, show us things, we need to be willing to change. One of the, the, the most popular prayer around the world is the, is the Lord's Prayer. We pray it here every, every week. But understand that in that prayer we say, God, give us our daily bread. Well, if I'm going to ask God to give something to me, I need to be willing to receive it. And so as we go to the Word, we need to say, God, give me a perspective that I don't have right now. I'm not content with where my life is in some areas right now, so give me something. I need to be willing to say there's areas in my life that aren't, aren't where they should be. And so I believe that this message today has a lot of power to change, to bring healing, if we can say, God, I need to change. I'm willing to, whatever you give to me, I'm willing to change. And so if you're willing, I believe God has a healing message for you in, in addition to teaching you about the fifth commandment. I want to begin in Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. It says, Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long upon the land in which the Lord your God is giving you. You see, the reason that we are to honor our father and our mother is because God has commanded us to do so. It's the same reason why we should follow any and all of His commandments. And so as we move to this fifth commandment, we see God's desire that we honor our parents. Coupled with the previous commandment on remembering to keep the Sabbath day holy, these are the only two commandments that are stated completely in the positive form. God says here to parents, as you love your children, so I love you. And as you yearn for their responsive love, I yearn for yours, for I am your father. And God says here to children, love your parents, and therein learn to love me, your father. You see, how you act and how you think toward your parents could be a reflection of how you may act or think towards God. Therefore, let us seek to understand what God expects of us when He commands us to honor our mother and our father. We find this commandment actually in both the Old and the New Testaments. It's actually in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 3, which says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. You see, it's clear that God commands us to honor our parents, but what is not clear is, is what is honor? And in what ways do we honor our mother and father? I'm going to give you several ways that we honor our mother and father based on biblical principles. The first thing is appreciate, appreciation. We appreciate them. In fact, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18 says this, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. You see, when we regularly thank God for the blessings of our parents, 
We show appreciation and honor. And we stay in God's will. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. We are to thank God through our, through our prayers for our parents. For they have often sacrificed much to bring us through this world and up to this point. And even though their roles change as we grow older and mature, they never cease to be our parents. God has designed the connection between parents and a child in a way that prepares each of us for something much larger than our immediate family. The human infant is dependent and more utterly helpless for a longer period than the young of any other animal. God has willed that people should be bound together in the closest relationships. And family affection serves to prepare the heart for inclusion in the family of God. When we consider this and all the joy and the love and the support that they may bring us in our lifetimes, we honor our parents by thanking God for them. However, not all children have loving and supportive parents. Many children are neglected, abused, mistreated, damaged emotionally, and seldom shown any love or support. Or worse yet, they are brought up to follow in the footsteps of a wayward parent. How are these children possibly to honor their parents? They do the same way that we do, by following God's commands to pray without ceasing, to pray continually. You see, when parents are not loving or even safe towards their children, it's not necessarily that they are evil, but rather that they are wounded, and quite severely in some cases. Somewhere along the line in their lives, they themselves were let down. They were undervalued. They were led astray or not brought up in the understanding of the Lord. Some saw their growth stunted or even reversed when they were derailed by a trial or an unfair happening in life. And they fell away from God and His influences. Others were dealt a difficult hand from the very beginning through years or even generations of family iniquities that were never broken and never healed. And thus a new child was brought into this world in pain, not knowing the love of a mother or a father. It is especially in these cases, in these lives, where a child must respond to the command of the Lord to pray for his or her parents. Prayer is the only way to break this iniquity in this vicious cycle of pain. We believe in prayer. It's our heart's connection to God. And through God, He can do all things. God calls all of His children to different missions in life. But all are under the same vision. To come together as the body of Christ, the family of God. While some obvious callings are to be a pastor for a congregation or to serve as a missionary around the world or on local missions. But there are also many other callings that seem much more mundane. But all callings are significant as they lead to the unity and strength and love of the body of Christ. You see, some are called to bring healing to the family of God by ushering in healing to their own families. Children are called of God many times to break this cycle of pain by interceding, and by loving their parents like only a child can. 
many times children do not get the benefit of the doubt. We look at them as children, and yet children are powerful in the kingdom of God. In fact, we see in Scripture the perspective and special blessing that's given to children in God's kingdom. In Matthew 18, verses 3 and 4, Jesus says, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Just as a child is able to receive a gift without trying to pay for it or work for it, we are to receive salvation freely without trying to earn it. Likewise, a child is more apt to forgive his or her parents, to believe the best about a parent, and to keep praying for their mother or father despite having been let down. The power of a child praying for his or her parents to come to know the Lord and to be healed and to be set free has to be one of the most earth-shattering prayers as strongholds are loosed and iniquities are broken. There is power in prayer. Amen? Can you imagine any greater way to honor your parents than to love them into the kingdom of God through forgiveness and unceasing prayer? Well, the second way that we honor our parents is through obedience. Exodus 20, verse 12 again. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. Certainly one of the most obvious ways to honor your mother and father is to obey them. This promotes social welfare as well as teaching the child to learn self-control, obedience to the law, and proper submission to authority, including obedience to the Lord. We know that what's, we know what's going on in the world right now. We know that a lot of these things are not happening. It's because we've, we stopped somewhere along the way in honoring the parents, the people that God has put in our lives. Such a child will in all probability become a man or woman of like character by obeying the laws of health and industry and work ethic. Such character tends to bring long life and enjoyment of the gifts of God. The child, on the other hand, who is disobedient and disrespectful to his parents, who sets aside their authority and God's authority, is cultivating a law-breaking character. He will in all probability become a self-willed man, setting at defiance the laws of God and the laws of man. Such a character tends to shorten life and to forfeit the gifts of God. Why, is, why are we seeing what's going on in the streets today? It's not just a political movement. We need to understand that we've taken the Ten Commandments, we've taken the law, we've taken the Word of God out of our homes and out of our schools. And even, sad to say, out of many churches who are not teaching the Ten Commandments today. We get back to the foundation, we will see a change. For a considerable time, parents stand, as it is, in the place of God to their children. And therefore, rebellion against their lawful commands has been considered as rebellion against God. But if you learn to obey, even when things are unfair, because you know what? Life is unfair, right? But if you learn to obey even when things are unfair, you will build kingdom principles into your life where you love unconditionally, where you serve with proper motivations, where you give without manipulation, and where you obey simply because God commands. Therefore, if we obey our parents, 
That's another way that we honor our mother and father. Well, the third way that we can honor our parents is by love. A word that's talked about so greatly, but often misunderstood and often undervalued. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 7 says, Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. We honor our parents by loving them, by showing appreciation to them, by thanking them often, by serving them for no other reason but merely to return the love that has been afforded to us. And even when we are disciplined by them in a way that we don't understand, we choose to trust them, preserving our hearts to love them still. We honor our parents by loving them in spite of any differences we have with them. There is a special bond between a parent and a child. A special kind of love that is different than any other human relationship. For instance, so many people get so mixed up, in a, get a, such a mixed up perspective of love when it comes to their spouse because of the power of physical attraction or liking what you see. And yet real love is often characterized by liking and appreciating what you don't see, as is the case with loving Jesus, whom we don't physically see. As we love our parents through all things and throughout our lives, we demonstrate honor in the most tangible and meaningful ways. The fourth way that we show honor for our parents is respect. R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Respect. Deuteronomy 5.16 says this, Honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God has commanded you, that your days may be long and that it may be well with you in the land which your Lord your God has given you. You see, we honor our parents by respecting them in their presence and even more so away from their presence. What you speak of someone when they are not around is the greatest indicator of how well you honor them. I believe it is this indicator that connects us to the last part of this verse, that it may be well with you. Speaking or even, or even thinking poorly of our parents, whether they are in our, in our presence or away from us, or even if they have passed away, if we speak of them poorly, we dishonor them. And it has immediate consequences in our lives. When we judge our parents and declare in extreme terms that we will never be like them, we often form what's called a bitter root of judgment, which we eventually reap in our lives. In other words, if there's any area where you fail to honor your or and forgive your parents, we end up reaping that same judgment back to ourselves and it will not go, with, not go well with us in that area. For example, I might say that my dad was too harsh on me when I grew up, that he was too rough on me, and instead of praying for him and forgiving him, I judge him. Then when I have kids of my own, I say, I will never be like my dad. He was too rough on me. I will always be nice, and I will never yell. You see what's going to happen? So if I neglect to discipline my kids like I should and just figure, well, they will mind me if I don't yell, what do you think is going to happen? 
You see, because since kids are kids, they eventually take me for granted, knowing that I won't yell, knowing that I won't hold them in check. And once I realize they take advantage of me, I'm so hurt that they didn't appreciate everything I did for them that I explode in rage. Thus, I reap what I have sown against my Father. Therefore, we are commanded to honor our mother and our father by praying for them, by forgiving them, by interceding for them, and believing the best about them. And if nothing else, coming to terms that they are doing the best that they are able to do. Many times, it takes a Word of God and a divine revelation in our hearts to change something. Now, I talk about revelation a lot. Revelation means that God is revealing something to you, giving you a perspective on a situation that you didn't currently have. It takes a divine revelation from God to change your perspective sometimes in order to go forward. Sometimes we need to see that there are times that people don't meet our needs, and we're always quick to say, well, you're not meeting our needs because, you're, because you don't want to. How many know that sometimes, and a lot of times, people do not meet our needs? It's not because they're unwilling, it's because they are unable. Right? But, but because of who we are, because of our flesh, we think they're unwilling and we think that's unfair, we think they're trying to hurt us. But the fact of the matter is that hurting people hurt other people. They can't help it. They give out of what they have. And so if we get that revelation that maybe my parent or maybe my friend or my boss is doing it because they're hurting themselves, it helps me to work through forgiveness to say it's not that they're willing, it's that they're unable. They need healing. And I'm going to pray for healing. Even though I don't like it, I'm still going to pray for healing. Because prayer is what breaks that, that, that bondage which allows people to be set free. That divine revelation that we get from God that says, God, I don't like what my parents did. I don't like what happened, but I'm going to pray for them and, and I'm, going to, I'm going to ask you to help me forgive them so we can break that vicious cycle. Prayer has power. Amen? Next way that we honor our parents, the fifth way, is by caring for them. The word honor does not only note the reverence and love and obedience we owe them. It also denotes uh, support and maintenance. James 1.27 says this, Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. Listen, if the entire body of Christ is commanded to take care of widows, how much more so are we each to take care of our own parents? In fact, since our parents are representatives of how we approach God as our Father, then our attitude and care for our parents is reflective of how we honor God. Let me ask you, in what ways do you regularly consider how you can care for your parents, meeting their many needs as they grow older. It is from this motivation that we consider daily how we can serve our Heavenly Father as well. The next way that we honor our parents is by honoring their desires. Honoring their desires, not ours. Romans 12.10 tells us, Be devoted to one another in love, Honor one another above yourselves. 
You see, the way that we honor anyone, but especially our mother and father, is by placing their desires above our own. Otherwise, we are serving our interests instead of theirs, and this is not honor. When parents get older and begin to lose their faculties and require us to step up to assist them, it is of vital importance when this happens that as much as possible we still honor their desires even if it's uncomfortable for us to do so. If you saw the bulletin today, you saw a picture on the, on the cover of me and my mom shortly, shortly before a Michigan State game. She loved going to Michigan State games. It was not a sacrifice for me because I love Michigan State. Um, but but I, I, I recall a time when her father was was dying and he was in the hospital, and all of her siblings, there were six of them, gathered together, and they asked me to come help them what, decide what to do. And my mom and, one of, and her twin sister are nurses, and so they wanted to provide the best care for their father. And they all talked about how to do this, and we, we can get him to live long if he stays this and, and stays in ICU and stays this. And I, I, and I, and I, said, I said, what does he want? Well, he wants to go home, and if he goes home, he's only going to have a couple days to live. I said, and if you truly want to honor your father... And you allow him to do what he wants to do. Right? I know it's a difficult thing. But if we're commanded to honor our parents, then we honor their desires. And because they did that, he was allowed to come home. And the Lord took him peacefully from his home because his children honored his desires. I know it's uncomfortable. And I know we have to pray about decisions. But if we remember to honor their desires as much as possible, then we're honoring God in the process. Well, the last way that we can honor our parents, because many of our parents are are gone to be with the Lord. They've moved on. But one of the best ways that we can honor our parents is by godly living. The strongest and greatest ways we honor our mother and father is through righteous living as we mature and become parents ourselves. Proverbs 22, verse 6. Train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Right? Parenting is just continuing to plant seeds, continuing to plant seeds. And eventually we believe that those seeds will sprout and begin to bear fruit. Godly parents raise their children in the faith of Jesus Christ, that when they are old, they will not depart from their faith, that they will have that anchor that holds. Therefore, as we grow and mature, we honor our parents' name and their lives by how we live by how we conduct ourselves, not only as adults, but even more as we are parents as well. Parenting is tough. Can I get amen? Can I get another amen? (laughs) It frustrates many people, especially those trying to honor their parents by trying to raise their own kids well and honorably. And when kids rebel, when kids leave home, or turn away from God, Many parents turn to one main scripture passage for help. The story of the prodigal son. It's in Luke 15. However, if you look at the entirety of Luke 15, you'll discover something else. There's actually a progression of three different parables in Luke 15 that gives more biblical parental wisdom than most people thought existed. I want to examine all three parables just briefly here to show you what God gives us I believe is this the secret that we all should know on how to parent our children in a godly way. First of all, we find the parable of the lost sheep. 
Luke 15, verses 4-5 through says, What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulder, rejoicing. Now, while this parable is immediately applicable to a lost soul who comes to the Lord through salvation, in light of parental wisdom, it gives us the first step in helping to guide our children. Listen, if a young child innocently gets lost on his own and is unable to find his way home, then as parents, we are to go after them and do whatever we can to bring them back home to safety. For there are times that our children, out of curiosity or vulnerability, find themselves in trouble and are unable to fix their own plight outside of ourselves. In this situation, we do whatever is necessary to go after our children until they are found. We bring them back and hold them close to our heart and teach them about God's presence and His perfect love that drives out fear. And we allow them to see our love for them as we rejoice for this reunion. Then we come to the second parable in this progression. Luke 15, verses 8 and 9. It says, Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? Again, this parable is immediately applicable to a lost soul who repents and comes to the Lord. But in context, which oftentimes is not taught, but in context, it also gives us a wise progression of how to guide our children back to God, to the, into the safety of our care and love. In this parable, the woman is the one who loses the coin. The coin doesn't go get lost on its own. The woman loses the coin. Out of carelessness or some other reason, the woman loses the coin and therefore she sweeps the whole house until she finds it. What this speaks to us is that there are times when the reason that our kids are struggling is because of carelessness or something else that we have done to drive them away. I know we don't always want to think about this. Sometimes they get lost on their own, but sometimes it's something in us that we, that out of what we did to drive them away. Ephesians 6 verse 4 says this, And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. As one example, we are warned to not to exasperate our children to anger. And there are many other things that we do to push our kids into a response of rebellion. When this happens, we must not react to the lost situation through accusation and blame. Yes, we are hurt, but if we continue to accuse them, we're going to continue to push them further away, especially if we have not checked our own hearts first. Rather, we should pray for discernment from God, who gives willingly to all who are looking to bring about changes. We need to first ask for discernment, having to first look to the child who innocently wandered away. And if it was not them, then our next step is to consider ourselves. This is the progression of Luke 15. The New Testament tells us that we are the temple that houses the Holy Spirit. And so we are to sweep our own house clean and keep it in order. Therefore, before we start looking at our children's faults, we are to look at our own heart and our own actions first. 
We must do a clean sweep of our lives and examine our lives closely to see what we may have done to drive our children away from us and also from God. Remember, the law does not bring condemnation. It brings conviction. So when we go to God, we ask God, shine a light on me. Is there anything in me? I want to know. Is there anything in me that's pushing away my child or my friend or my spouse? Is there anything in me, God? Because I want to know. And if you're willing to ask that, we must be willing to hear if God brings something up. We must sweep our own house carefully in discernment, asking the Holy Spirit to reveal to us what we are doing or what we have done wrong to push others away. Too often, this step is skipped. And parents just assume that they have a prodigal child. Yet the progression is clear that we need to look at what part we are playing. We need to sweep our own house first and repent and change that our children may come back to safety and the love that has been designed for them. Finally, we come to the parable of the prodigal son. Luke 15, verse 11. Then he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided them his livelihood. Verse 13. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. Which means just living for himself. In this parable... The one son rebels rebels, and leaves his father's presence completely on his own by some selfish desire to live in a way that only seeks to satisfy his own desires. Having the proper discernment, the father allows the child to go. He does not beg him. You're old enough, you made your decision, I will allow you to go. He does not chase after him. Knowing full well what will probably become of the child when he leaves the sanctity of his father's care and love and support and discipline, the father realizes that the child must learn for himself. Eventually coming to the end of himself, the prodigal son realizes he should have listened to his father and never left his care as he now repents and returns to his father's house. Not because the father chased after him, but he let him learn his lesson on his own. Yet there are some things we see about the father that have happened while his one son was away. Luke 15, verse 20. And he arose and came to his father, but when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. First of all, we see that the father was waiting and expecting to see his son come back home. The son didn't just walk in the house unexpectedly. The father was looking out to the horizon, expecting and waiting and praying the whole time, expecting that one day God would answer his prayer and bring him back home. We know this because it said he saw him a far way off and ran to him. This speaks to us as parents that we are to not to just pray for our wayward children. We are to pray expectantly and daily look for signs of our children coming home. And when they do, our first reaction is not to tell them that they were wrong, but to run to them. God runs to us. If we turn 
He, if there's a hundred steps to God and we turn and take that first step to repentance, God runs the other 99 steps to us. That's the truth of God. And if you are praying for your children, we need to pray expectantly. And when they turn because they repented and something changed, then we run to our children. Amen? Amen. Luke 15, verse 21. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight and am no longer worthy to be called your son. Our job is not to tell them that they are wrong. If they have returned in repentance, then God has already convicted their hearts much greater than any words that we can say. As they return under our care and direction, we are to continue to teach them to honor God and others. Verse 22, But the Father said to His servants, Bring out the best robe and put it on Him. And put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. And bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. We can tell a lot from this passage. But especially we can see what the father did while the child was gone. We already know that he prayed expectantly for him. But we can also tell that life went on in the child's absence. How else would the father be able to still have servants? A fine robe and a ring and a fatted calf. The father still had his other son with him and had to take care of him. Often when a wayward child leaves in rebellion, the parents chase after him or her or make excuses for him or keep bailing him out of trouble. In doing so, they neglect the rest of their family and they fall into financial ruin and they may become bitter and resentful themselves. Yet if we are discerning to follow the progression that God gave us in Luke chapter 15, we only go after them when they become innocently lost. Then we examine our own lives and finally, as tough as it may be, we have to let them go if they are persistent to rebel. Sometimes, tough love is the greatest sacrifice of all that reaps the greatest results. Don't believe me? Case in point. God allowed His only begotten Son, Jesus, to die for all of us because He loved us. He allowed us, Jesus, to go through what was incredibly tough to bring love to all of us. Luke 15:24, Last verse. For this my Son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. You see, if we respond to this challenge as a parent, we allow God to do His work on a wayward heart by bringing conviction to someone who is dead in their sins and in selfish ways that they may find new life upon coming to the Lord and through our prayers. Therefore, as we continue to seek God and take this relationship seriously in honoring our mother and our father, we actually honor God in our efforts as we honor them through appreciation, obedience, unselfish love, respect to their name and their lives, caring for them, honoring their desires, and by our intentional choice to live rightly before God and others, we turn honor, we turn to honor God, our Heavenly Father. May your choice to honor your mother and father in all that you do whether they are still around or have passed on, may it be your gift 
to God. And then you can be assured it will go well with you and all that God has given you. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for the power of Your Word. God, we lift up our parents, our memories of them, our children. We lift them all up and we lift up our own lives. God, if there be anything in us that has caused a division or pushed them away, reveal it to us and help us be willing to look at that so that we can lay it before You. We ask for change. God, for our children who are wayward at this time, who are not the place we need to be, we ask that You would continue to speak to them, continue to be with them, that You would open their minds and their hearts, Lord. And if we could lead by example, change us and help us respond by change so that our children can be freed and set freed and changed and come back into our families and come back into the family of God. We pray by power in the name of Jesus that You would bring resolution and healing in our families. In Jesus' name, amen.